Hey guys, welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens. And this is Sana Manit. So, I just got back from Katzcon, which is this anime con down in DC, and it was my 10th year there. Wow. Which is kind of insane. It's really great, actually. I think that you've developed such a great connection with the fan community, specifically cosplayers, and you bring a different point of view to the women of Marvel, but to Marvel in general. A lot of like the cosplay interaction that we have is because of you. They're really amazing people. I mean, a lot of them are my friends or people I've known over time and they have always sort of stood behind me. But, you know, what they do is amazing. And I think that they stand behind us as a brand and the characters and what we do for the characters. And like, they're also the first people to show up in a Kamala Khan costume, yeah. in a Miss Marvel costume. And what that means, I think, for our community in general. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's really interesting is that the person we're talking to today for the podcast, LaToya Peterson, has actually been going to conventions for, you know, I think like 15 plus years. LaToya and I are part of the same Outwards Friends group, but never met each other. That's so crazy. And I didn't yeah. realize that until we had her by and she was like, blah, 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 Katsukon and Atacon. And I was like, what? I used to hang out at the fountains at Atacon. And she's like, what? And I would be like, yeah. You like pass by each other every day and you had no idea. Speaking of fandom, I and mean, she's a geek girl like us, working in an industry that is also pretty male-dominated. Yes. So Latoya Peterson is the deputy editor over at The Undefeated. So The Undefeated is this amazing site that's part of ESPN and the Disney family, and it's all about intersection within race and culture and sports. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I like sports a lot. I mean, I like the weird sports. Latoya and I talked a little bit about that, but Latoya has sort of been hopping around. She created this amazing blog back uh, 10 years ago called Racialicious. Was race? Wow. Racialicious. That is, say that 10 times fast. I can't, clearly. I like it. Racialicious. And talking about race and politics and culture and fandom and what it means to be black in this community and it's it's sort of amazing and she's someone who spoke up and out about it back then so we could have probably talked to her for hours they Mm -hmm. would have turned the lights off on us you know she loves Riri Williams so we talked a lot about that she was holding on she found the Riri gauntlet and was wearing it for the course of our interview with her yes Um, it wasn't it was more like a conversation I don't want to say interview no we were just chatting it up yeah and we have a lot of stuff in common and you know the biggest thing is like when we talk about women's issues we have to make sure we talk about intersectionality that is incredibly important because we're not really talking about real minority issues if we're not including minorities and what it actually means. And there's so many different layers to that. And LaToya spoke to that really well. Uh, So it was a lot of fun. But why don't we go straight to that interview? Hello, everyone. I'm Judy Stevens. I am Sana Amanath. And Judy, please introduce our very special guest. So we have Latoya Peterson from The Undefeated here. Yay! Hello. Welcome. A lot of hype for one guest. I was like, I know. And I got to live up to this. First and foremost, for those at home, what is The Undefeated? Oh, so The Undefeated is ESPN's newest and premier site about race, sports, and culture. So we tend to cover the intersection around what's happening in sports culture, uh, what goes on. We have an HBCU vertical. We have an uplift vertical. We have a culture vertical. And so we're really trying to hit all points of anything that happens with race and sports. So what is your position in particular? Oh, so I am deputy editor over digital innovation, which, woo, except that just basically means I'm a tech geek that also heads up social and video for our site. So I feel I like it means you're a things. boss. That's a very boss-like title. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Some days. <laughs> the fun part of being a boss, you never want to admit it. You're like, nah, me, not 
kind of, unless something's happening and you're like, oh no, I'm totally the boss and I need somebody to give me something. I like, mean, you work great. on some pretty phenomenal things. There have been, I mean, at the Undefeated in general, we yeah. have tried to make a big impact in our little two years. I think we've mm-hmm. done four TV specials. We just did one wow. on the State of the Black Athlete. No, we just did. That was the magazine piece that we just did, the State of the Black Athlete. The TV special was Dear Athlete, and it was Letters. And we did it from um, Birmingham, 16th Street Church. So we just aired that special, which is great. We brought Obama to the network. We brought Serena Common to the network. We shot a music video with Leon Bridges. We have done... That's so awesome. much. And we're in the middle of like sports apocalypse. So it's like Super Bowl yeah. All-Star. Like everything is happening right now. I've got people going down with the flu. So I'm just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. wake me up when it's March. It's great. I mean, it's, it's oh, also- and it's Black History Month. So we're going. Oh, which <laughs> so is, it's all of the things. Yes. All the stuff. And it's once, Wakanda right. week. We're all like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. Well, what's it been like for you? First of all, you are a woman and you are black. Yes. You stand out a lot. And like, yes. and particularly for me, because it's weird. I actually am not super into sports. No, that's, that's <laughs> hilarious. Great. Are you so, now? Somewhat. I'm like, yeah. I know what games are on. Okay. I don't make mistakes like Stephen Curry. Like, I feel like, like, like that's I'm, good. I'm like, it's always good to have well, someone who's... like baseline, I think. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, what you are you? the baseline. So my, yeah, my employees are... <laughs> that's hilarious. Ozzy, Morgan, Lois, and Monas can tell you guys stories. Like the time I sat next to Grant Hill at All-Star and didn't recognize him sitting on my phone. <laughs> and, anyway, and the worst part, I should have got that one because he married Tamia. And I remember the music video and I was like... I should have known that was Grant Hill. This is the best. Um, <laughs> I more identify as a woman in tech, which again, generally... But I also find, the I find same. The, yeah, it's also, it's all the same, same moment, so it's fine. I can identify, like, women in sports, you want to talk to people like yeah. Kelly Evans or, like, Ramona Shelburne, my awesome colleagues, or uh, Jamel Hill, who just joined us. Like, there are so many women who have amazing stories about what it takes, and there's always, like, the guy pecking order of, like, mm-hmm. oh, do you know enough about the sports? You will never, I think someone was telling me, they're like, you will never know enough sports oh, to be God. considered legitimate. That's so funny. That's the first thing that I heard when I worked in comics is, yeah. like, do you know all of the comics? Yes. Every single thing? Have you read all of it? Right. right? Which is really daunting. From any moment, at any point in history, yeah. in any yeah. point of time. Yeah. Which is a thing. For me, what's interesting is that in the spaces I'm in, and this does not mean that it's, like, some kind of, like, racism immunity. It just means... I'm normally so bizarre, they don't know what to do. Right. Like, you know, my company, I like to joke that there's, like, so many different types of people. There's right. so many different Johns. There's so many different Marks. Yeah. There's Marks with C's, Marks with K's. There's one LaToya right now. And, like, that. Right. everybody knows who it is. Yeah. She's got purple hair. There's just too much going on. Like, I feel like it's just, like, I don't, that's LaToya. That's fine. She's yes. over there somewhere. Yeah. It's okay. So, so far, it's been pretty fun. Very, very male-dominated. Very different way of communicating. Different styles. Yeah. Sometimes I come out of it. And I would come into like a more gender balanced environment. I'm like, oh, yeah. Huh. The undefeated is actually very gender balanced though. So it's like, yeah. For us, we're here. But it's you always have that like kind of notion of difference and, yeah. and knowing that you're kind of a little bit other in a space, and then knowing that you have to talk about it in certain ways. Right. And in some ways, that's why we were founded, right? Because right. there was this conversation happening around athletes and activism and sports. Yeah. And we just felt like people were just not getting to the meat of what was going mm. on. You know, why are people being seen in different lights if they're doing different types of things? And then the more we got into digging into these stories and the more that we started listening to the athletes themselves talk to us and just tell us about the things that they're experiencing, we started realizing, like, hey, there's so much more here than even we could have considered when we were launching it. Right. So it's been an adventure. We've only been around for two, not even two years yet. Oh, my God. That's Our anniversary is in May. Right. So May 2016 is when we launched. So next May we'll have some kind of, like, two-year party. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible ride, and it's one of those things where it's... It's an interesting moment to be trying to talk about race and sports and activism in America. So what would you consider the success line for you? 
how do you feel like you're having an impact in people's lives, people who are, love sports or who are either living it or who are fans of it? How do you feel like you're actually sort of breaking that barrier of misunderstanding? Hmm. I think you could look at success differently depending yeah. on like where you sit. Like for some people, it's creating a space for athletes to feel comfortable, yeah. especially when they feel very attacked a lot of times by media. Right. For some people, it's telling stories that wouldn't go untold, right? Mm-hmm. We do a lot of hidden history things mm-hmm. and a lot of reveals. People didn't know, like, the history of black jockeys right. in America. So we did a lot of those. For me, what's been most interesting and rewarding is seeing people's minds change, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, having sports fans who don't really, aren't really into social justice, right. don't really know what it's about, aren't thinking about it. Why? I don't understand the whole cat dealing thing. And watching them actually engage and see them kind of start to change their minds, start to understand a little more right. about what this means, start to understand why people are kneeling, why people want to talk about yeah. these things. That, to me, is the most rewarding, that you can change a conversation on, like, a national level. Right. Well, but, but there's such a commonality between what I think athletes have the power to do, just sort of in the social landscape, and even political landscape, but really the social landscape, and what we do at Marvel and, and sort of superheroes in general is that they have this mantle. They have the physical powers, but they do sort of have the mantle to kind of push the cultural discourse forward in a positive way, right? So I'm sure, like, doing the job that you do, doing the job that we do, we'll probably get some pushback every so often. So how do you sort of try to go beyond that? Do you address it? Do you ignore it? Do you find some sort of energy from it? I mean, I want to be like, you know, your haters or fuel or something, but at some point you just kind of tune it out because there's so much going on. Sure. That you're just like, we can't. So like um, Mark Spears and Lonnie O'Neal just wrote this great joint piece on like the Warriors being like the wokest team of the NBA and how that allows them to speak more on social issues. Because at the end of the day, like they're like, we're doing our job, we're doing it really well. And then this is also really important to us and they know they have this platform, they know they have the stage and they go for it, Mm -hmm. right? And it's something that you really like love and admire. And there's all these times you can like listen to all the negativity and things that people are saying and all the different, I mean, stick to sports. I'm sure that there's an equivalent stick to comics that people throw all the time. But understanding these narratives, understanding the people who are playing these games, understanding the dynamics, the game within the game, is something that fans really do appreciate and respect. And so, you know, all these things are controversial when they happen. And when you look back, these are iconic moments in American history. Mm -hmm. So for us, we're just charting this course just like everybody else is. And when you're looking at it like that, you know, any extra average everyday racism just kind of fades into the background. The thing I always like to say about athletes is I think they're the real superheroes of the modern day, like because they're very similar to our superheroes where they didn't really necessarily ask for the powers that they have and they go out and they do good and then they happen to be in the spotlight and then they have the opportunity to either be out loud and be spoken and and say great things or maybe not great things or they stay quiet and I, I, I think superheroes are very similar to that too. Not to mention they are like literally super strong epic people in real life so yeah, yeah. it also sounds like a project we should totally collaborate on at some point yeah it's, it's like i mean because like athletes do have like archetypes too like there's some that are kind of like the anti-hero i don't want to be here i don't want to do this yeah i'm just i'm just trying to do me i'm just trying to be me and there's some yeah. people who are like no i'm in front of my community i'm here i'm here for you i'm one of the people like there's so many interesting ways and then everybody has their little like origin story and their journey and particularly like one of the fun parts about sports storytelling, which I'm you know new to, but it's really interesting, mm. is seeing how many of these arc narratives of somebody's life are like coming and climaxing and crashing and then mm. they're rebuilding. And there's always a new story where you're just like reading it and you're obsessed. Like, 
oh my God, what happened to this person? It's really these human stories at the core that tie it. And the same way with superheroes, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we care a lot about, you know, Spider-Man. We also care a lot about Peter Parker. We also yeah. care a lot about Miles Morales, right? And yeah. also the icons, right? Yeah. You talk about cultural icons, American cultural icons. It's really, it's athletes and it's superheroes. Yeah. Which is pretty I cool. mean, like, the aim is to get on the Wheaties box, you know, mm-hmm. or... I don't know what the equivalent in the Marvel Universe would be, but like... <laughs> I still feel like it's a cereal box, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, cereal, cereal right. I don't know, do people still like buy Wheaties? I don't know. What we... Yes. Let's talk a little bit about <laughs> uh, superheroes. So I read this thing about how you call yourself like part cyborg or something like oh, that, yeah. which I think is amazing. In the Donna Haraway sense, which <laughs> yes, yeah, Because I... we can all the way geek out on this one. I'm just... Uh, no, I love it. You can leave it. Leave I it on the table it. for right now, but I'm just... So now. you were a fellow nerd slash geek. So tell us a bit about that. Geekdom in general kind of lends itself to looking at alternate representations of yourself. I mean, how many comics heroes are like, okay, here I am secretly, but for real though, y'all yeah. don't know who I am. So like these narratives resonate with young people for a reason, right? Because mm. you're just growing, you're finding yourself. So I think I first started reading comics at the 7-Eleven when they were selling the Simpsons ones. That's yeah. actually oh how I yes. got into it was through the Archie comics and yeah. it was my spinner racks at one of the convenience stores. It's right. probably 7-Eleven. Sidebar Riverdale yes. at some point. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sidebar. So, anyway. so I started reading the Simpsons comics off the racks and I was like, okay, comic books are cool. Didn't know too much about them. And then when I was growing up, MTV had this thing called Liquid Television. And it was the introduction to a lot of indie comics and indie things. So like the Max was there. And then they had this thing called Oddities. So some of these things were television creations that became comics and vice versa. But I was really in the animation and looking at those things. And then later I kind of quit. I was reading American superhero comics and then kind of stopped for a while. Got really into manga. And so I spent yep. 10 or so years yeah. out in the... I guess they call it the comic wilds. The the anime convention yes. scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, Otakon, We, we talked about this on camera. <laughs> yeah, it was, we, I was in there. I started out being like, is there anything like Sailor Moon? And then like, at the end, I'm like, no, Jose. Oh, my God. Like, Can we talk about these different movies? <laughs> <laughs> totally ridiculous. But anyway, so I spent a bunch of years doing that, and I used to pick up all my comics from this place, Big Planet Comics, which is my local comic book shop back in uh, D.C. And so they were like, oh, he has a little bit of manga, but he's like, really? you know, there's some cool stuff happening in America's eye, too. You might want to look at them. So I got into indie comics again. I started reading Oni Press. started reading a lot of Scooter Girl, stuff like that. And then I started winding my way back into the American comics fold because suddenly I started seeing stuff that was really interesting and new. And you're starting to see these provocative creators. And I think I was reading Gail Simone's blogs. Oh, I forgot to mention. So I was a blogger for many, many years. And I ran a blog called Racialicious. And we used to talk about comics because we're all geeks of color. We're all hanging out. Like, that's just what we're going to do. Is it still up? Can we find it? No, we got hacked. So if you know what you're looking for, you can find us in the Internet Archive. But we, we live on in the minds of geeks everywhere because a lot of people read us including Marjorie M. Mew who writes for the X-Men series. Oh right. And at that time she was publishing Dirk and Steel and she was publishing the Hunter Kiss novels which I really enjoyed. Yeah. And then I was like, she's writing the X-Men comics? Yeah, she when wrote Dokken. When did Dokken. that happen? She wrote the hell out of Dokken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, when did that happen? Oh, something is going on here. Yeah. And then they brought Riri. Oh, and right. Yeah. every black woman I know in technology, all of us, yeah. was like the same day. Switched our avatars. I think my avatar is still Riri. That's like, awesome. No, switched them. Because finally you're like, oh, it's me. Yeah. Oh, it's all the way me. Yeah. Like, is she 16-year-old black girl, MIT? I was like, is this? Then the MIT students like made that video for their orientation. Yep. Cle- like It hit a nerve. Yeah. Also like, I didn't even know I wanted this, but I needed this. Yeah. And then the fact that she's like Tony Stark's protege and he's like a strange artificial intelligence construct. But anyway, so that's kind of how I came back into it. 
started reading a ton of stuff, and then you guys started hiring friends of mine, Evan Narcisse, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> also Greg Beck. So, like, a lot of the folks that we blogged and yeah. criticized comics with and discussed with, I met, um, met a lot of other uh, fans of comics, and we used to discuss them all the time. And then somehow we all grew up and started working in the industry. And then we started seeing more crossover from people. So, like, Gail Simone, whose blog, Women Refrigerators, was so legendary, yep. started coming over and, you know, created this whole other wave of, like, women in comics. ta was tapped. So you started to see, like, some more crossover than you used to yeah. um, in terms of, like, popular writers and what was happening in the comic space. And you also started seeing, like, these reboots that were really interesting. Yeah. So all those new issue ones that came out, they got a lot of heat and light and buzz. And I know there's been debates over the state of the industry, but that kind of representation does matter. And it does allow you to introduce a lot of these worlds, which do feel very intimidating to get into. Yeah. Like, you're not going to start with, you know, Spider-Man 1. You can't even find it half the time. Like, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. But if there's a new issue 1, if there's a new place for you to come in, uh, who was it, Miss Marvel? Yes. That was a big one. Sana's baby. There, oh, well, uh, was yeah. that you? Was yeah. that you? Was my that you? My little sister. It was my little sister. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is all familiar territory for me because we talk about representation all the time here. But I think the bar of success that we have internally is really about how effective have we been in reaching other people who, like you, who maybe hadn't been reading comics for a while and then... You heard about Riri and you showed up and you're you're sort of wearing the gauntlet. Literally. <laughs> um, literally. Yeah, this, <laughs> this was actually on the table and I was yeah. just like, thank you. Yeah, appreciate like, I it. Now. specifically for yeah. you. I was like, now. and it's not coming back off. Yeah. Hope, you know, we're yeah. all good. I had yeah. to like, jam my ginormous hands into this too. <laughs> it this is made for great. a much smaller person. Uh, so just for context of those at home, Victoria is wearing the Riri gauntlet and we have the mask next to us. And um, it lights up. And it does. There's LEDs in it. Yeah. But I do think it's so, you know, what's so powerful to me is that we have characters like Riri. We've got Kamala. We've got, my God, Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. And all of these characters that I think, you know, are relatively new. And for me, I mean, the first time I saw, like, someone cosplaying as Ms. Marvel was, like, a super emotional moment because I'm like, "This, this comic just came out two months ago. That means you made it yourself. And that kind of love and passion and then also sort of artistic prowess of building yes. an actual costume. And even technological, you're talking about LEDs. Yeah. I mean, it's also just cool. like it's, it is really important, you know, in representation within the cosplay community. Within the anime community, it's been predominantly white women who mm-hmm. cosplay in America. And, you know, getting more people of color cosplaying different characters, even if it's a character that's not necessarily black in the comics, like women who do Sailor Moon. Yeah, 100%. So. But people feel like it's not theirs to do. In the anime community, that's a whole other kind of conversation because it's yes. like, is it anybody's really like? But also, too, like I do remember a lot of the, particularly like black cosplayers, when you do cosplay somebody and when you race bend, right? People do get really upset. They feel like you're not being true to the character. Uh, there was a really insulting thing that happened. There was a woman who was cosplaying Sailor Venus beautifully. So I'm not going to say what they called her, but it was one of those things where it's like she's one of the best cosplayers. And that's where the notoriety came from. Because they're like, you cannot be this person and have this color skin, right? Mm. And there's been people who've done the interpretations and they've done it, but it's always like you're sitting in... It's weird, you know, because in some ways you're like, you want to have representation, you want to have characters that look like you, that feel like you, that you feel comfortable. But at the same time, you shouldn't be banned from characters that you love and that you want to do. So like when we we interviewed Tyler, he's he's a breakdancing Spider-Man, I think T-stunning Spidey, right? 
And so he's really clear that he's cosplaying as Peter Parker, not Miles Morales. Yeah. Even though by his skin tone, people would assume he's Miles. Yeah. Right? And he was like, well, I relate to the character of Peter Parker. Yeah. And, you know, for various reasons, he's like, money issues, women issues. And I'm like, all right, that's a lot. Um, but <laughs> I got you, Tyler. Um, but, it's, it's, but it's important to know that, like, yeah, but you can you can form connections with characters that don't look like you 100%. And we all Absolutely. have done so. yeah. We've all figured out how to step into those frames, but it becomes more complicated when there's so few. Yes. And there's almost none. Yes. So it's like, you know, for so many years, it was Storm holding us down. Yeah. Right? There were not black women that you could see in these roles, in these positions. It's more to have choices. I mean, you're telling me, I literally no, there's no brown anywhere. No. <laughs> there's like no brown, which was terrible. Mm. But again, like, and for me, it's the same thing. Like, I talk about this a lot about the cartoons and how X Men cartoons in particular kind of oh changed my, God, my life because, yes. yeah, that's the stuff that really made me realize, oh, shoot, like, they're kind of weird looking people like me. You know, who are like black skin, yeah, but blue skin and yes. all these different color skin I tones, have different color air. Right. I wrote fanfic. Yes. Yo. Yes. You're truly part of the community. I was gonna be God, that does not exist anymore. Oh, Number God. one, that was floppy disk era, so Oh, where that is would that be even? great. No, but I remember I was like, I was going to be an ex friend called Mickey yeah. with like silver dreads. I was going to ride a motorcycle with Wolverine. I had it all planned out. Yeah. <laughs> and again, but like X-Men, you know, talk about like representation in yeah. that way. Because you're like, oh, it's people, right? And then yeah. like, like when I, you know, later we were publishing Racialicious and like all the narratives about Jubilee that were coming yeah. from Asian Americans. Yeah. Like, can we talk about Jubilation Lee? I was like, okay, we can, we can, we can always have these conversations. Yeah. Because it's like, where else are you going to? Especially yeah. when it's like, this is your one shot. You don't really know what to do if you're going to get it. And then when it's there, sometimes it's so awful or it's yeah. so terribly done or it's just it just feels incomplete. Right. Long standing conversation about Storm. Why is her hair straight? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If, I have no idea. It's a great question. I know that she ended up having a mohawk. I love yes, and the mohawk storm. Is, mohawk storm is she the best storm. Mohawk yes. storm. Well, she I mean, storm. That, but that's one version of Storm. Right. So if I'm looking at Storm as a black woman, I'm going, OK. Clearly, she's controlling the humidity. Yeah. Got her hair straight. <laughs> just good, just good in the job, box girl. around her hair. But I can't imagine the evolution of Storm, everything that's happened now with her not having a curly anything. Those are the little things. And you talk about, like, hair in particular and how that makes such a character distinction and a, a racial distinction. And those are the nuances that we have to be really mindful of as creators. And if you don't know, you should ask people who know. Speaking of Riri, that's the character that we have a lot more planned for. Which Ooh, is excellent. Yeah, yeah. The thing that we get quite often is because this character represents a particular race, like you have to do all of these things, right? You have to do check this and this, this and this. And it's really hard for me because I got that a lot with Kamala was like, you need to solve all of these problems about Muslims because she's the one. Do you know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. the one person to represent that. You know, how do you address sort of racial misunderstanding, like breaking stereotypes, but then at the same time, just Kamala Khan, Riri Williams, you know, Lunella Lafayette, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it takes a while to get to that point. Like, there's no just. We all know it from working in these fields, too. You're not just. You're representing other people when you step into the room. Yeah. And it's a really heavy responsibility, and it's a constraining responsibility Mm -hmm. a lot of times, right? I would love to see different types of Riri, different spaces of Riri, right? But even still, like, she's a first, she's in the Iron Man universe, she's the heir to Tony Stark. There's a lot that comes with that before she ever stepped onto the stage. Mm-hmm. Like, before anything, it could have been another young white guy. Right. Right, taking over for Tony Stark. And there would have been all of this expectation and pressure 
from the predecessor and then you add to that those layers and you add to that the fact that there's just aren't that many and you don't know if more are coming. Right. And that's what the real problem is, right? right. It's not necessarily that there's limited representation. Yeah. It's that you never know if it's going to continue or if it's going to be there. You never right. know if people are going to buy in. You never know if people feel like they're going to relate to somebody that looks like you, which is right. jacked up. I say this about gaming all the time. Where I'm like, look, there's been more times I could play as an alien, I could embody myself as an alien character, than as a character that looks like me as a black female. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've been a white man like seven million times in gaming. Oh, yeah. I've been all kinds of non-human entities. I've been like a peak man. But, and at the time I did this talk, I did a talk at South by Southwest with N. Guy Kroll and uh, Naomi Clark. And we were trying to figure out, I was like, okay, if I wanted to play as a black female, how many characters do I have options for? Mm-hmm. And I think I came up with, at that time, seven excluding fighters, but counting Fran the Vieira from Final, <laughs> from Final Fantasy, she's at least brown skin, yeah, yeah. which there's drama with, and Alex Vance from Fallout, but she's supposed to be mixed. She's coded as mixed. We're claiming her, but that's not necessarily right. the fullness of that identity. Yeah. And so there's a lot put on it because, again, it's like, can we do it? There's more in fighting games. Yeah. There's more a few other places. But overall, you're just stuck into these very restricted, like, limited roles. And the only way to break out of that right? It's for people to believe that they can see themselves in these characters, even if these characters don't look like them. This yeah. is one of the big triumphs of Black Panther, right? Yeah. Like when you really think about it, how many people are so hyped to go to Wakanda? Yeah. Because for years and years, from history classes to nativist movements, yeah. uh, a lot of people are saying, we don't want anything to do with Africa. We don't yeah. want anything to do with Africans. Mm-hmm. We don't want anything to do with descendants. There is nothing of value here. Yeah. And that is what Western society has told us. That is what we have been taught for so long. And so to see people enthusiastically embracing, like, this is unprecedented. Yeah. Right? Not only is this an event from a Marvel perspective, this is an event from a, this is how we tell stories about other types of people. Yeah. And that's really what we we strive to do in a lot of our stories is saying, you know, how do you start teaching people about different racial experiences, cultural experiences, religious experiences through the powerful Marvel storytelling vehicle. That's how you ultimately start normalizing race and things like that. And um, we understand that. That's something that we have been striving to do for, for such a long time. But There's a lot to be said for not being heavy-handed with things, right? Because mm-hmm. people feel like they, we have to do a certain thing, just like we were talking yeah. about Kamala, right? But there's also, too, like, power and just quiet symbols of being seen yep. and being noticed. So, like, I was just watching the uh, Miles Morales trailer recently. Oh, that looks so and good. There's, and there's that moment where he's just sitting on the side, but he's in the Spider-Man costume, but he's got Nikes on. Yep. But seeing him posted up and seeing, like, that quintessentially, like, I am 17, what is going on in my world. Yeah. Sitting there and then seeing that familiarity. Yeah. Like, seeing this is not... Peter Parker. Yeah. This is somebody else. Yeah. This is a new person, new hero, new mantle. Yeah. It means a lot. Like, I didn't realize how much that did mean to me until yeah. I looked at it and saw it and was like, oh. And it's beautifully done. So this is, to clarify for those listening, it's Into the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Man animated film that's coming out. The end of the year. End of the year, right? End of the yeah. year, yeah. End of 2018. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the trailer's amazing. It's beautiful. Yes. Yes, and I showed it. So my son is four. And oh. so, like, he's, he's watching, oh, my God, Baby Geek, yeah, he's great. Um, <laughs> so I've been showing him all these things, and, like, he's just, like, enraptured. Because to, for him, he is growing up with all this imagery of things that look like him, people mm-hmm. who look like him. No, but this has been great. Has there, is there anything that you're working on that you want to share with us? Oh, yeah, like, what do you got dropping at the end of the yeah. year? Oh, my God, we have everything. We're getting through the Marvel bracket, which is the superhero bracket that we did, gorgeous artwork from our, my colleague Martenzi, who's a super geek as well, so it's great. I think we're going to do more black cosplayers. It's like our lane. We kind of love them. They love us. It all yeah. works out. And it's also interesting hearing everybody's origin stories. Got a baseball doc coming out on the first black player on a baseball card. 
who was mixed race and like a history of America told through baseball. So that should be pretty fun. And then just so much more to come as usual. It's sports. It's 24-7, baby. So it's... Theundefeated.com. Theundefeated.com. And then where... Where can people find you? So if you want to actually talk to me, you can hit me on Twitter. I'm not there, but I pay attention to my mentions. It's at LaToya Peterson. Got it. Got it. And you'll know me by the comics references in my profile. I'm really yes. on there. So I there love you it. Go. All right. Well, well yes. this has been so much fun. Yeah, cool. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Again, right? I'll and, be taking this with me. And please, yes. Thank you. Thank you for spreading the Riri love. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for joining us. We will check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe. Thanks to LaToya for joining us. You guys can check out more about The Undefeated at theundefeated.com. That's a hard one. Yeah. That's a hard website to I think remember. you guys can do it. <laughs> remember, there's a the in front of it. Yes. <laughs> well, and speaking of conventions, full circle, we're going to be coming to C2E2 again this I'm year. Not, I'm not going you. to C2E2. We're going to miss you. But the women of Marvel will be there. You've got Judy. You've got Christina Harrington. And then the panel, we're going to feature some awesome artists that yeah. we actually haven't had on the Women of Marvel panel before. We're going to have Rochelle Rosenberg, Katie Cook, and Jen Bartel, and they're all going to focus on sort of colorists and coloring and the different styles and techniques and how each one of them works slightly differently. Sort of deep diving into that world. And then Christina's going to be on a whole bunch of panels all throughout the weekend, and I will be wandering around looking for you guys. So if you come up and see me, we're going to do a selfie. Stuff time. <laughs> <laughs> and we might post it on our Instagram which we've got up and running again. So if you guys aren't following us, you can follow us at The Woman of Marvel on Insta. As always, if you guys have questions or suggestions, please email us at womanofatmarvel.com or tweet at Marvel with hashtag Woman of Marvel. That's it. We're done. Can I, can I say the end? Sure. Go for it. This is Marvel, your universe. universe. <laughs> <laughs>